0: Hello, this is Chuck at Lazarus Discovery Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about a sort of continuation of the why series. And today I'm going to look at, at what it means if we're dealing with human beings in both sides. And I think on both sides we forget. Now... It's a little bit about how we sell it. And in AA and those, they're pretty upfront. They're pretty upfront about the way it works. But that they, they say if you follow our path, our suggestion, our steps, you will find a life second to none. But they stay specifically to their expertise they say our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics achieve sobriety they stick strictly to staying away from a drink in their premises if you stay away from a drink and you work the steps then a lot of things are going to get better that's a pretty accurate thing that's a pretty accurate thing and I was always impressed with the common sense approach they gave God credit for making the change, but they were pretty pretty wise about saying we're not going to get into treatment, we're not going to get into anything, we just help people stay sober. And they stuck to that, and it was their primary purpose and they stuck to it. They had success, everything they put together was tested on the basis of will is help anybody that's coming stay sober and and to a certain extent you got to understand a faith people say well this faith as god as you understand them thing is just bogus i don't think it was bogus i think it was wise because they went back to their primary person primary purpose is to help people stay sober and if we say that you know you have to come to jesus before you can get sober we're going to have a lot of people that don't want to get sober because they don't want to do that. And they didn't try to pretend they were a religious program. They were just people who knew about drinking that helped people get sober. They were focused on their primary purpose. They figured it out and they stuck with it. They did have family groups that dealt with families of alcoholics. They they dealt very early on with the the, the family Part of addiction, the family part of of problems in the family. But they stuck to alcohol. And in like manner, N.A. and the others stuck to their primary purpose. Generally speaking, they copied AA. So, you know, if they had codependency problems, they would talk about that in family meetings or they would... um, you know, they had an Al-Anon, which is basically codependency relationship to whatever the addiction was. So they, they kept the divisions reasonably good. And I, I applaud that in a million different ways. You know, I thought they were very, very practical, very, very reasonable. And, and when I got sober, very, very inspired. They, they knew the boundaries, they knew who they were, and they knew who God was. Did they call on Jesus? No. Most understood, but their thing was, we don't want to get in the way of our primary purpose, helping somebody stay away from a drink. And their experience was, it didn't matter. If somebody asked God for help, they got the help. You know, my experience was I asked God for help, and I got help. I asked the God that I was asking who was the best thing, the best approach, and the Lord showed me Jesus. So <clears throat> that was the that was the way it was. Had a primary purpose, and they stuck to it. And, and they didn't they didn't want to AA didn't want to get in the hospital business. They didn't want to get in the doctor business. they didn't want to get in a treatment business which would be a temptation they just wanted to work with people who were trying to stay sober and support them and help Their primary purpose to stay sober and help other alcoholics achieve sobriety and they didn't have a problem saying hey you know you need to go to to detox they didn't tell them which detox they didn't tell them the AA detox drunks or they're good businessmen I mean, if they see an opportunity, they're going to take it. But early on, guys saw that that was a problem. Ladies saw that was a problem. And so they stayed away from it. And I thought that was intelligent. And humble and intelligent of them to do that. They had as many spectrum of issues as anybody. When I got sober, you know, that was like 47 years ago. There were the same number of issues, maybe not quite as many. It's gotten really strange right now, but, you know, we had people in our in our circle of people that went to our group and the groups around us. One couple, the wife was mentally ill. I mean, she had to be hospitalized. She struggled. She was happily hospitalized. There was another that was a... Good friend of ours, you know, and he was an artist. He passed away, but he had a pile of paintings, and he, my friend Thomas is uh, selling those paintings. You can get a, a original Yule Yulek Yule is his name, and uh, you can get a, an original Yule um, at this time, selling them off and setting up a nonprofit in Yule's name, and uh, I think Yule would be thrilled. Um, he, was, he was wired and he was just, he, he, he needed medication. I think he, in, in the last years of his life, he, he finally got treatment and medication that stabilized him. It just There was no way that just staying sober was going to work for him. He needed professional help and medication and stuff like that. And he stabilized his life stabilizes like still crazy, still nuts, still a little off the wall, but the medication helped an awful lot. And AA didn't prescribe that medication. They didn't enter that medication deal. They stayed away and hoped that rational sponsors would push them in a the direction of, of getting good medical help. They didn't ever they didn't try to get into the business. And I thought that was amazingly prescient and wise. And, and that, was, that was the way AA dealt with all the stuff. Our primary purpose is to stay open up, I help other alcoholics to stay sobriety. You know, they didn't get into the peripherals. They didn't, they, they could have gotten into counseling. They didn't get into counseling. They had family groups, Al-Anon for people that support people that came from alcoholic families, but they didn't they didn't have counseling centers. They didn't have their own shrinks and they didn't do anything like that. They referred all that out to professionals. Again, very, very, very wise. Um, I wish I could say the wisdom transplanted itself into the faith community, but my experience is that is not necessarily so sort of what this lesson is about, just generally, you know, just because you're running a recovery or a faith program doesn't mean that they're going through your way, your steps or your procedures, that you can promise that if you follow our way, you'll get a life second to none solely by going and and doing what we say. That is absolutely not true because it, this is a. These are people of spectrum people. They're all over the place. They're all over the place. The percentage of people that come into recovery and in faith are have the same percentage probably of people with with uh, brain chemistry issues and mental health issues and you know trauma issues and everything like that. And it is not the function of recovery or faith to try to insert itself in that. AA was wise. I think NA is wise. I can't say the same about faith because there's this, there's a whole thing that says, well, if you're walking with Jesus and doing our thing correctly, you won't have you won't have spectrum issues in other words there is not said but implied that if you do this if you if you walk with us and let Jesus into your life then this is going to solve all your problems they don't say that I don't think they mean that but it gets implied it's it's implied I had a had a person I knew and obviously remained nameless who who was basically on a mental health spectrum he he functioned successfully to a point with medication but he he didn't feel like he was better and I don't think there's a doctor and a Secular word or anyone who'd say that, you know, people are going to be better. They're going to, the symptoms are going to be managed. Their life can return to some sort of form of normal. And this guy asked a very prescient question What does recovery look like for me? And it was, it was a part question, and it was a part sort of desperation. And that is a very, very prescient question because, you know, struggling with spectrum issues is not necessarily a slam dunk. It is a, a day at a time walk with issues. Sometimes mental issues are a chronic issue that you have to deal with. It takes a special sauce to learn how to navigate that. And, you know, there are organizations that deal specifically with that, that work with people on a particular mental health track that provide assistance and inform assistance about people who are, you know, on the spectrum of mental health issues so that they can live a life that is reasonably manageable that is reasonably okay, that gives them the best possibility of leaving, living a normal you know, life that's recognizable to other people, that deals with the, the, the pitfalls of being on that particular spectrum of issues, and they have their suggestions, and they have their things, and they have their terminology, which is very similar to AA, but different. It takes those particular places who deal with those particular things that carry the wisdom of dealing with those particular things It requires those particular people. And always, always, there is no doubt <clears throat> that anybody that deals in those spectrum of issues will say that we have the answer. They say an evolved answer is a is a team effort. You know, good good mental health guidance, good pharma pharmaceutical. You know, you need a med guy, you need a you need a shrink, you need a team that works with you to to maintain balance, and you need a, a, a fellowship of people that reinforce good practice good practice. Now, is that the same as a recovery thing? Yes, it's similar, but not the same. And a lot of times in these kinds of things, specific advice needs to be emphasized and not general advice. So what you get is you get some places Who basically want to do broad-spectrum work, like religious recovery, which considers itself, if you come to Jesus, you're gonna be okay. You know, there's a there's a thing, it's just it's just the way it is. It's, It's biblical in a sense of like, well, he healed people that were tormented by mental stuff, so therefore he does that to everybody. This is a problem. Does Jesus heal? A broad spectrum of things, yes. Does working the steps and steps of repentance and turning your will and your life over the care of God, does repentance and reestablishing your relationship with God and other people help? Yes, of course it does. Does it restore... A normalcy of life yes it can but depending on the the type of issues you can't really leave you should not really leave the impression that that if you if you do what we say we are going to you're going to live a second life second to numb just like everybody else That's not practical. And to a certain extent it's a little bit dangerous. And that's sort of why we need to be clear. There's faith. And I've been in Pentecost forever. And you know, first forever. you know 40 I've been in a church for my entire life and I've been in Pentecost for since I was just getting sober, two years sober so that's 45 years. And there is a there is by definition a a built-in unspoken prejudice against people with mental illness because while Jesus healed a demoniac, so therefore, If you have a mental issue, you, it's a lack of faith, which is a lack of, and if you have a lack of faith, then you must be doing stuff that's causing that lack of faith, or you're, you're not practicing confessions of faith enough, or it is a bag of worms, and it's not true. You know, Jesus and walking with the Lord can help in those situations but a lot of times it's he can lead you to the place where you get help and you can live a life that's much better than you would ordinarily expect with, with the brain chemistry issues you're dealing with but it, it does not work to be foolish. God uses the things he available to bring about change. He gives us the discipline to be meds compliant. He gives us the discipline to be open and honest with people about our issues. He gives us the, 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 the grace to find places where we can operate a reasonably normal life with the issues that we have. But the temptation, if you wrongly imply some preaching, is is that, you know, if you have faith, you'll throw all the drugs away, and Jesus will give you victory, and then you can, you can profess that victory to everybody, and great things will happen. And that everybody wants to be a hero. Everybody wants to be a hero. And nobody wants to be one of those handicapped people. Everybody in faith wants to have a great testimony. And if you don't have a great testimony, a lot of times is you don't have a great testimony because you don't have enough faith. It's just like, if you get cancer, it would be great to be able to testify that you've been healed of the cancer but it's not necessarily a sign of lack of faith if you have a struggle with it it's not and that's the that's the vulnerability and the weakness of the faith side in a lot of stuff that operates of people on the spectrum because a lot of times it's it's not easy. The solutions aren't easy. And the spectrum of issues in the church is wide. And the acceptance of solutions is narrow. And it's better to be neurotypical in the body of Christ than it is to be diverse it's, it's just it's just easier because you neurotypical people sort of get things automatically and neurodiverse people don't get it and they can act odd and then they can it's a, it's a challenge to be neurodiverse and be in the church especially if you go to a church that is is neurotypical in other words they're always sort of wired normally you know but the population of neurodiverse people in churches, you know, uh, depending on the church is, is, is a bit of a tough road. You know, it's, it's like you have to keep that secret. You know, because you, you're in order to get along in a church, you have to pose a little bit. And for, if you study it, people who are neurodiverse pose a lot. They cover it up a lot. Which doesn't really help makes it difficult so you know church faith people just generally in order to protect their reputation of being a great Christian have to pose a lot and that creates its own issues so it's not surprising that when you you get to people that are maybe neurodiverse and are in churches that have issues and spectrum issues of mental illness, or you know, codependency, or you know, sin issues, or stuff like that. That they and they have they struggle because the neurodiverse part makes it difficult to connect with the the people that have the help, and that that's a that's a shame. That's that's just really a shame. But the point that I want to make in this particular lesson is that simple things like AA best practices would be really good for the church to adopt. You know, I, I'll give the give the give the church credit for a million things that they do really well. But in groups like CR, which is basically gracefully Christians answered AA because who wants to go to a place that talks about God but doesn't want to talk about Jesus? So CR is basically a place you can talk about Jesus. Um with pressure to talk about Jesus. That's, that's too bad, but it's perfectly understandable. You know, AA is just the opposite. There's a pressure not to talk about Jesus. There's even a pressure not to talk about God. Spiritual but not, you know, then you get yourself into a whole different thing. What's what's spiritual that doesn't talk about doesn't talk about God and doesn't do a bunch of things, but spiritual. Well, that's a whole rabbit hole that is, is is not a good place to go because you know you can find, you can find things in the dark that will tell you what you want to know, what you want to feel and know mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily the best for you. So, church people have have God. But they don't, and my point I think is that they don't have a complete understanding of who's in their, their, their thing. They're trying to take care of people that they don't understand. They, 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 they're, they're pretty sort of narrow-minded, which is no surprise. I mean, the definition and a, a, a church people are narrow minded and it turns out a lot of times they are very narrow minded it's a little too narrow to get the truth it's simply that they get an opinion that, that fits in with everything they have so basically you have a population of people in both faith and recovery who are a lot of times very diverse one size doesn't fit all and that is the problem I think AA and NA understand that because they're not weighed down with other stuff they get it they, st- they keep their emphasis narrow and they encourage other groups to deal with specific issues like codependency, like family problems of alcoholics, like all sorts of other stuff. They produce links to other organizations. So you're a family member of an alcoholic, they push you over to uh, Al-Anon. And there you li- learn a little bit about codependency, and you learn stuff, and people share stuff, and you get a little bit of personal type of help with you know th- those types of things. So AA, though narrow, has created avenues to support the, the many diverse ways that that alcoholism in a family can affect everybody, and that's amazingly prescient amazingly wise in a church who should be the wisest are blind because they're legalistic they, they they think there's only one size fits all issues and that's too bad that's too bad and so I think that what I'd like to do um, how's my time I'm, I'm coming up about a half hour what I'd like to do is now that I've talked about the fact that do things a little weird and different what I'd like to do is you know talk a little bit about things that will help things we can do that will help what can we say you know what What boundaries that can we set? You know, and a lot of times it's just just the thing of this is what we're good at and this is not what we're good at. Or we never say you know, go to the church for this problem. Nor the faith people say no, 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 you don't have to go to secular recovery because they say God as we understand him, so you can't do that. Just like a church that's like Hyper into itself says, you don't want to go to that church. Those people are weird and different. You know, you need to stay here. You know, in our in our group of fifty people, because we're the the fifty people that are going to solve the problem for you. Not healthy, not healthy at all. So, what are the take homes? When you face the fact that you're dealing with a a broad-spectrum world, broad-spectrum world, people come and look for help. And they sort of understand, and when the recovery programs and everybody sell it, you know, certainly Christian recovery sells, we're good with everything. They, on the low down, they say, hey, maybe you need to see a doctor but it's not. The, the, the hint is if you come to CR and you work the steps there's not going to be any hiccups. You don't need to get you don't need to get a shrink. In worst case you don't need to get meds. You just need to come to our meetings every day. And if you do everything right then you know we're, we're we're in better shape we're in better shape you know it's going to be it's going to be better for you if you if you do our suggestions so i think what i'll close with is a tour of what you're going to hear and maybe a little critique of it the positives and the negatives of it You go to an AA meeting. First of all, they say you got a drinking problem. You're going to learn you do if you listen and you say, "Yeah, I I, I can identify that. I got a drinking problem." So, what do they say? This is AA, but it's it's there's other things. But uh, generally speaking, this is what's going to happen. They're going to say, you know, well, you don't drink today, no matter what. Okay, that's. That's cool, that's good, That's I get that. You know, don't drink. And they're going to say, you know, go to a meeting. Okay, okay, you know, yeah, yeah. You listen along, go to, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days. Oh my God, that's ridiculous, I'm going to die. But there's a reason for that. You know, you're basically applying a vice to your brain. You know, it's a, it's a thinking disease, mental, physical, spiritual. And the mental part is, you're just thinking just really stinks. And you need to go to meetings and have stuff hammered in so that you have a chance to change your thinking. You know, so that's good advice, you know. And they say, you know, get up in the morning and ask for help every day. They, they, they do that. You know, go to a meeting every day Ask for help. Get in, up in the morning and ask for help. They don't say who to ask for help, or they just say get up in the morning and ask for help to stay away from a drink. And then they say, you know, maybe a little bit of something, but what they say? You know, that's what they say. Go to a meeting. Don't drink, go to a meeting. Ask for help. And then they, then they start if you, okay, you're sober a while, you know, get a sponsor, get, a, get somebody to be accountable to and then start working the steps. In other words, start a program of accountability and recovery. And they say, keep on going to meetings. Then they say, get active. By the, What they mean is get involved with the group, you know, contribute to the group, you know, make the coffee for the meetings, make something that makes you responsible to get there. You know, talk to people. Go out after the meeting and talk to people. Communicate with people. Go to a step meeting, start working the steps. Go out afterwards for coffee and donuts or whatever like that. Talk to people, get a sponsor. Talk to people and make yourself available to them. Work out your stuff. Don't stuff it, but work it out. That's the program, and they say, do that and you'll get a life second to none. Maybe not today, but certainly along the way. You'll have a, you'll have a program that you can work on. And that's, a, that's, a, that's as simple as it gets. But it's, it's all-encompassing. It's a daily program. Read the literature. Pray every day. Talk to people every day. Be accountable to people every day and go out on a daily basis and go to meetings and do do service and stuff like that. It's a busy schedule, but it keeps you busy and it, it keeps a reinforcing thing in your brain, you know, and then you have supports as your brain starts to get thawed out and you start going crazy, you know, and then they will, they, the one thing they won't do, I. You know, I have seen it. I don't see it much there, as they say. You know, hey, if you need a, if you need some help, therapy help, you know, ask and receive. So that's that's the uh, that's the major thing. Just keep it keep it simple. Focus on the important stuff. Don't drink, go to a meeting, ask for help. Don't go to a meeting, don't drink, ask for help. Work the steps. Stay in touch with your sponsor. Stay in t- touch with people. Don't isolate. You know, keep on doing what you're doing. But whatever you do, don't drink. No matter what happens, don't drink. And you'll get better. That's, that's pretty good advice. You're basically saying treat your body nice and everything's going to you know that's going to help you that's the that's the the program that's the the thing and it's practical and you are also going to get you talk to a sponsor and you get hey this and that and something else and they're going to say well oh, maybe you oughta, maybe you ought to get help maybe you ought to go to a sponsor maybe you ought to get off the dime and take the medicine and and, and, and you know, go to the doctor and say, I'm having these issues, you know, what can you do for me? You know, get a shrink. They're not going to say don't in most cases. You're you're sober, you're clean, and you're tweaking right out, and you're getting going crazy. They're going to send you to a doctor to get help. You know, it's not a bad thing to go to a shrink. Because they recognize it's a spectrum thing. There's no such thing as a one alcoholic like, or one addict, you know. But there is a preponderance of people that get sober and the self-medicating they've been doing isn't working because they're not taking the meds, the alcohol and the drugs, and, and they they, ha- they need help as they they dry out. So they get help in the form of Shrink's taking care and giving you meds that help and, and getting a good psychiatrist in there to try to work out all the stuff that happened. It might be just getting in, in lines for some good therapy and stuff like that, but it's professional help. It's not amateur help. It's not amateur help. You're going to real doctors for real advice. You're not going to amateurs to do serious things. You go to the doctor, they say you, you have this thing. You take the meds, you do the thing, you come back, you get a doctor, you do the thing. You get a treatment program, you know, that's a, that's a common sense way to do it. So that's the, that's the thing, now let's, what happens the other side of the coin is, in the face side, uh, especially CR, there's a reluctance to in some cases to to go for professional help because it's like well if you have Jesus in your life just try hard work with Jesus and you know everything will work out works out sometimes but not all the time basically you know you're going to know whether you're in the right thing if you go to whoever it is that's running the CR or something like that, and you, you say, Hey, I'm having these issues. And if they say, Work the program harder, you know, I think you need to go someplace else. But if they say, Hey, I have a couple names you can call, and, you know, they can refer you to doctors to, you know, perhaps medication is needed maybe you maybe need medication maybe you need you know certainly need a need a bunch of professional mental health professionals to come on alongside you and work out the thing you should get professionals and that, to a certain extent that is the point of this this podcast is for God's sakes get professional help you know don't let prejudice against professional help is it perfect no not really sometimes but it's better you know if you're you know you're you're struggling with depression you know meds can help if you're certainly if you're having issues that are brain chemistry issues you you have you got a you got like a pretty good hardcore diagnosis you know you you need to go and and tell them about it and you need to You need to get on medication and stuff like that. You know, is it good news? No, it's probably not good news. But it's just on the spectrum. It explains a lot. A lot of times, if you have drugs and alcohol, you know, the drugs and alcohol were simply you trying to find something to help you manage the, the symptoms of the illness that you have. Instead of, like, you bad person, you're drinking like you're drunk. No, you're you're self-medicating and trying to find a way around it. And when you find out you can't drink and you get sober, then you find out that it's not just the drinking, stupid. And that's what I'm saying. Find some place, whether it's church or whether it's secular recovery, that's going to give you permission to find answers to the stuff you're trying to do. And a lot of times when you stop using drugs or alcohol, you collide with what you were trying to self-medicate about. And just because you get sober does not necessarily mean things are going to be second to none. It means that you're going to be able to see the issue and, and, and find a solution to that issue. And that solution might be some sort of drug or something like that that can help you. There's no guarantee, but it's certainly... Yeah, sure, God can come and, and take care of the problem. But you need to be able to check that box off. And I think that's what I'm saying. If you're in CR and you're having issues and you're, you're not sure, you go to a go to professional and get some opinions. You know, um, if you've been struggling for your whole life and you get sober... And, and you're starting to have you're starting to you know have serious mental breaks then you need to go to a doctor you need to go to a doctor you need, need don't need to go to the pastor and get prayed for you can do that but you need to go to a doctor too just celebrate so just go to somebody and, and find out go to professionals get their opinions if you don't like the opinion you don't have to do it but at least you have an opinion and I think I'm very strongly about that that's what we have professionals for to give us, to give us treatment programs and maybe it doesn't work you can go there but you go back and say it's not working let's try something else but don't for spiritual reasons turn away from the professional help and for God's sakes, if you got got something, you go to a doctor, he gives you a treatment plan, don't go searching it. You're going to find, if you go to the churches, you're going to find somebody that can tell you you don't have to take that medication. I guarantee it. You know, I guarantee oh, no, 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 I'm taking this stuff and it works fine. That's not smart. That's not smart at all. You need to trust professionals. You can't, of course there's You know, the issues in recovery are a spectrum of issues. It's not just the thing you're into recovery for. It's like there's an underlying problem. You know, the marriage might not be because you're an ass or your spouse is an ass. It might be because you're struggling with something and you're you're untreated in something. And especially if you go to certain churches that discourage you from getting treatment, then you're simply gonna be spiraling down the toilet because you're you're cut off from any treatment that's gonna help. You gotta be open-minded to the fact that, you know, maybe it's not gonna look. You know, that's that's the thing. It's a broad spectrum thing. And sometimes the prejudices that are in the church can distract you from the, the obvious solutions that are there. And that's what I want to say. You know, if you're if if you're having certain psychological, mental issues and stuff like that, you know, you need professional help. I've talked to people, I've sponsored people, and it's just not it doesn't work. Get professional help. You know, what I'm saying is is that if you go to a recovery program and church recovery program, listen to what they tell you to do in certain situations or what they what they say, and you'll know more about what it is. You know, if they, you just listen because there's no rule against using professionals in certain situations, especially, if you're and you're you got issues. You know, there's no law against the fact that you can you can you have to stay away from secular professional help you know there's no there's no it's not smart it's not reasonable because if you're on a spectrum they're they're just they're refusing to accept the fact that there are issues in the church that need professional help it's not your problem it's their problem you know you have to be willing to go for help you have to be willing to try the medications that they recommend and settle in yourself the way it is. you know that's that's my thing for this this time is the fact that you know we need to not be forgive me anal about this stuff okay I'm about done this is Chuck at Lazarus Covered Podcast at the Junction of Faith and Recovery I think that the take home lesson is that um, we should Always be practical. Don't be so heavenly minded that you're just lost. You know, be practical. You know, be willing to take good health advice and follow that health advice. And certainly, if you've got a spiritual advisor who is controlling or manipulating or something. Try to find somebody that's level-minded to balance that off. If there's controlling, if you're into a church that's controlling, that, that, that legislates who you see and what you do and stuff like that, probably small that's just doing a bunch of stuff, you know, do yourself a favor and get another opinion, you know. Get another opinion in your, in your support group. One site doesn't fit all in a spectrum type of situation. You know, it's better to get professional help about the stuff because I'm telling you, churches don't have a lot of professional help, and at least get professional help. Then you can you can parse it out and figure out what's right. But do not operate on it the assumption that that you know your church is gonna give you professional help. They are not. They are a church. Unless they have somebody in the church that is credentialed to give to prescribe meds who has a professional degree in psychology and stuff like that. You do not you do not take professional advice. Do what AA does, you know. They stick to their business you know we help people that alcoholics to stay sober we don't get into all the other stuff we don't get into all the other stuff the hospitalizations and the mental health issues and stuff like that we recommend that they get good professional help and that's my that's sort of my soapbox today for god's sakes get professional help for mental health issues for spectrum issues you know don't expect that your your sponsor is going to have answers for a, for a, something that's listed as a, as a mental issue. It that, that's foolish to expect professional help. And, you know, you're going to find people that are going to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I think that, you know, Joe Blow and all this. I've had that happen so many times. People rolling in with advice on things that they are they are so obviously not qualified to talk about. It happens with Jesus' people, particularly because they're taught that they have all the answers. Well, just be cautious. Now, to answer the guy's question. What does recovery look like for me? I'm on a spectrum. What does recovery look like for me? I think recovery looks like for anybody on the spectrum looks like the best possible outcome within the within your within the limitations of your situation plus a little bit you know what does recovery look like for you if you have you need medication Recovery looks like you. You don't have to go to the hospital again because the medication is working. What does recovery look like for you? You stay on the medication. You talk to the doctors. You pray and you ask for help. You do the best you can. And recovery looks like you have mastered and lived with a situation that is disabling for many and it's not for you you can live a life that is fruitful that is purposeful that is second to none you can there's no reason why with issues that you can't have a lot of the things that you think you can't have if you get the sufficient professional help and medical help and chemical help that you need to maintain a stable way of doing things you know you're involved with people now the final thing is what can you do to screw that up. It's the same thing as any place else. It's the same thing. Particularly this is advice you get, you know, when dealing with organizations that deal with mental health. You know, the directions are just like AA, don't go to a bar room. Well the directions are don't isolate. It's good advice for Don't get hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Same advice. Don't isolate yourself. Force yourself to go out and mix with people. Force yourself to have a life. Tend to the business of of being a responsible consumer of mental health type of stuff. If you, get, if you get, you got something, the doctor tells you, here, do this stuff and we can, we can make it so that it's, 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 it's a manageable thing. That's what this is. It's a manageable thing. But you need to do things to make it a manageable thing. Do the things to make it a manageable thing. What does recovery look like for me? I manage the situation I have and I'm able to find a life that I wouldn't be able to find otherwise. Are you going to be neurotypical? Are you going to effortlessly find the beautiful person and stuff like that? And have a 15 kids and a life second to none that way? Maybe not. Maybe you can't. But it's not like I'm never going to have anything. It's like, yes, you can have stuff as long as you form into your life the disciplines you need to maintain the balance you need to make. In other words, you're meds compliant. You do your doctor's appointments. You do your shrink appointments. You do the things you need to do to keep your head straight. And you know probably you don't drink and you don't use because <laughs> you know you take certain drugs to maintain things and you drink it's like all over but the crying so what does recovery look like for you it looks like a disciplined informed life that finds fulfillment in simple things that can with discipline and building the right relationships can be better than many people have without the issues that you have. There is no reason why a person on some sort of spectrum can't have some of the stuff that you figure you'll never have. There's absolutely no point to getting depressed and suicidal over your diagnosis. It's simply a matter of taking a few suggestions and being patient. Will you get everything you want? No. Trust me. Nobody gets everything they want. You know, if I had the girl, if I had the thing, if I hadn't done this, if I wasn't a complete idiot, you know, this, I, I'd have five children and I'd, I'd be elected to Congress and I'd be like, oh, no, that okay, fine, great, okay. If I hadn't, I'd know, just, no. you know, you got to be right size about your expectations. But there's no reason why you can't expect to lie, live a life that is normal and fulfilling and fruitful for other people. You just have to do what you have to do. You have some disciplines you got to follow. You know, you can't live like a pig. You gotta be just disciplined and reasonably intelligent about what you do. So, that's what my thing is for you. You know, be smart. You know, even if you're oh, I can't do it. Be smart, be smart, be smart. Take doctor's advice. Take the meds that just prescribed. Be smart. Just be smart. And don't try to be something you're not. Oh, I'm not going to do it if I can't. Just trust me. Just be smart. And it will be a life second to none for you. A second to none. There might be a relationship. There might not. But there'll be people. There'll be people in your life. Because you're going to work at getting people in your life. You are going to be active... because you are going to put effort in being active. There is going to be faith in your life... because you are going to invest in your faith. There is going to be happiness in your life... because you are going to put effort into being places that are going to make you happy. There is going to be faith in your life... because you are going to pursue Jesus, find Jesus... And have a life, eternal life, second to none. You know, there is no, I am this way and I'm condemned to this. There's no such thing. There takes effort, it takes discipline, it takes accepting limitations, but There's no reason why it can't be second to none. It's maybe not going to be your neurotypical dream, but it's going to be pretty doggone good. If you're willing to do the work, the effort, and the discipline to do the things you need to do to take care of yourself and get the help you need and are willing to take suggestions. There's no reason why you can't have a life second to none. And that's what I want you to know. There is no reason why you can't have a life second to none. This is Chuck at Last Recovery Podcast at the Junction of Faith and Recovery. And I do pray that you find the discipline to pursue a life second to none and it takes pursuit it takes pursuit Jesus takes pursuit it takes the willingness to pursue and I, I pray you have the willingness to pursue you know the Bible says you know seek the Lord with your heart you know I pray you'd have the, the wisdom and the grit to pursue life in a way to find life second to none with a Savior that's second to none. This is Chuck at Lazarus Recovery Podcast, the Junction of Faith and Recovery. Have a good day. Thank you much. Bye-bye.